So this last week we were talking about First Peter chapter 1. And, um, you know, we learned in there, I'm just going to recap by reading just a little bit. I'm going to start with verse 13. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that if it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Now I recap that because it's going to go right into one of those therefores. And we know when time, you know, pastor says when there's a therefore, we got to say, well, what's it there for, right? So that was a recap of what we had heard because I don't know about you, but I forget pretty easily what happened the day before, an hour before, let alone a week before. So um, if I was to recap, though, um, it would be get prepared for action. Remember, gird up the loins in your mind. Get prepared. Get ready to get into action. You're no longer, if you skip down there and kind of, I'm giving you the highlights of these verses, you're no longer living an empty, purposeless life now. You now have hope and you have faith. You now, as it says in verse 22, love one another deeply from the heart. That's a command given to us there, right? Now that we have gotten all of this love from Jesus, it should be coming back out out of us. And it should be an action that's intentional. And we do it for his glory. And when I'm reading in verse 24 that all men are like, grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord stands forever. When I'm reading that, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm doing it for his glory because if I was doing it just to win friends and gain popularity, that's all going to wither and die, isn't it? Right? But the glory of the Lord, the word endures forever. So when we've planted that in somebody, and we've given God's love and shared it with someone, that's something that's eternal, right? Not only will they take that and share it with someone else and pass that down in generations, but you will be able to look back at that and say, you know what, I did something of purpose in my life, right? So as we move on into this therefore here, it says, and this is the word that was preached to you, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 
You know, what motivates people to practice those kinds of things? Pride. Pride, right? What's right in the middle of pride? What letter? I. I, right? It's a very selfish, self-centered attitude, right? And that's what we kind of get when we look at some of these things. Um, malice, hypocrisy, envy, slander. It's, it's, it's that there's um, that word slander there. That's like spicy gossiping, right? Not even like regular old gossiping. It's like you got some juicy tidbits that you're going to tear someone down with, right? It's envy. It's um, that malice is like something that is... Um, it's, it, it comes from a place of that self-centeredness that you're going to retaliate back at someone, right? Or that people are enemies rather than loving people, as he had just said. It's, it's about not putting people first in these verses. It's about putting me first. And we do have that sense of entitlement in this world, don't we? Right? We, we take up arms. We're going to sue people. We're going to, you know... I love that saying, you know, like my best friend's got the bat and they're going to swing it, you know, for me when I'm, in, you know, mad at somebody or whatever. It, it's that we, we gang up together and we're going to fix the situation and we've taken God out of the equation, right? He says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Um, anyone have a baby that didn't want to eat? Anyone have a baby that thought they were never fed? <laughs> yeah, they crave it, right? There's like, there's never enough. And I don't know how many times I've heard a mama say, I just fed you, yeah. right? I just fed you. You can't be hungry. <laughs> so, but scripture tells us we're to be like that baby. We're to crave it as if we've never even been fed before, Right? There's a verse in Psalm 42, 1 that talks about as the deer panteth for the water. You know, you're panting for something, you're desiring it, you're craving it. You're focusing on that is what you want. Bringing back to that focus that we're talking about. That is where we're supposed to be. Focusing on that desire for the word, that craving for the word. Now be honest. Do you feel like you're living that in your daily life, craving it? is like a baby, like you're not getting enough. I, I am guilty of that, right? I, I see a lot of heads saying, yep, me too, you know, that we have kind of lost what God has told us where we need to be, where our focus needs to be. Because what happens if a baby doesn't eat? They starve to death. They don't grow, right? And Scripture tells us the only way we as spiritual babies are going to grow is if we eat. And it's told us exactly what we need in order to grow. We have to have the word. We got to chew on it. We got to get our nutrition from it. We got to learn from it and grow. And if we don't put the word in, we're going to stay what? Stagnant, right? We'll stay like this. Do we... I don't know about you, but do you generally set out to say, you know, Jesus, I thank you, you died for me, but I really don't want to grow or know you anymore. I'm comfortable being right here, right? That's not generally what we say, right? <laughs> we want to grow, but sometimes we don't put the effort in to grow, 
we, we hope that it will just infuse in us, right? There is a story that I read um, about these people going to this cafe in Fort Lauderdale, not Fort Lauderdale. It's in Florida. What is that one I'm thinking of? Uh, maybe. Um, but anyway, they were in Florida, and it's orange country, right? Right? And so they go to this cafe, and they ask for orange juice. And the waitress said, I'm sorry, our machine's broke. I can't give you any orange juice. And yet they're surrounded by orange groves. There's orange slices on the plate that was given to them. There's orange this and orange that and piles of oranges sitting in the cafe, but they don't know how to get the orange juice because they forgot how to do the most simple things, right? And that was an analogy of we, are keep, we keep waiting for somebody to come do the work for us. You know, well, I, w- I haven't been able to go to church, so I haven't been in the Word. We have the opportunity to be in the Word every day without being in a building, Right? And so, or waiting, you know, well, maybe, you know, my so-and-so, my favorite pastor's on vacation, and so I haven't had any good, any good word from anywhere, right? We make these excuses, right? Where we, God has given us this straight, direct um, way to get the word right here on our own. We don't need any, you just leave that pen, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but what keeps you from craving it like that? Speak it. Having to actually study it? Mm-hmm. Yeah? What, what other kinds of things keep you from craving it? Too I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. Right? Too busy. It's really what it comes down to. I'm too busy. Or you're pushing it. Remember we talked about the list last week, you know? Mm-hmm. We're pushing it further down the list to where it's like, well, um, I, didn't, I, w- I wasn't able to do it this morning, so I'll try to squeeze it in at lunch hour. I wasn't able to do it at lunch hour. I'll try to do it before I go to bed. I do it, can't do it at bed, I'll read twice as much tomorrow, right? Yeah. To where we're constantly rolling that and not making it a priority. Do you think that a baby ever says, it's okay, mom, uh, I'll hold off today and you can give me twice as much tomorrow. Do you see a baby doing that? No, no. because that baby was meant to need it and physically needs it every single day. That door's not going to be open if someone can grab that. Um, and so that baby is an analogy, not that I made up, that God put in there. It says you need that nourishment like that baby does every single day. That can't be an option for you. Yet we make it the first option, don't we? It's the easiest thing to push off. Well, Jesus forgives me. It'll still be there. It'll still be there. <laughs> I kind of remember yesterday's lesson. <laughs> you know, and, and again, we talk about, though, like we did last week, it is not about rules, right? It's not about setting it up as a certain way. One of uh, our deacons here, Kevin, he talks about a, a time that, um, you know, he, maybe he's not trying to cram in you know, this, you know, going through the daily read the Bible thing and you're trying to get all of those passages that they have and you want to check it off on the list, he'll take one verse and chew on it every day, all week long. There are so many ways we can simplify one thing, right? 
by memorizing a verse, digging in with it. And each day, God will give you something new because it's a living word, right? He'll give you new opportunities to see that verse in a different light. So we should not make that craving look a certain way, that it has to be fulfilled and that meal looks like a certain way. So moving on then, um, verse 3 says, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, remember that verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Now he's got, you've tasted it. You know that that is a, a tasty little delightful meal when Jesus brings you a word, right? If you've been in that place where God has brought you a word in the right time, a verse that is spoke to you and ministered to your heart, and, and you have just, there is nothing anybody around you could have said that could have made anything any better that you just hung on that verse, right? So he's saying, you know what it tastes like to get into the word. And you know when I give you a verse or, or a scripture that when I speak that to you, that it is something that is life to you. Just like that milk, it is life and it is tastes good. And so I want you to crave that and want more of it and know more about scripture and know more about how I work through people. Sometimes when I'm talking, um, just even at the last conference that we did, someone said to me, because I talked about the story of Jonah, and they said, I didn't ever think of looking at the Old Testament stories and getting anything out of it like what you got out of it. And that, and I'm thinking, because you're not reading it because you're not looking for the value in it, right? If it's there in Scripture, there's value in it, right? And so that was a really cool, not only just a reminder to me, but an eye-opener to this lady that um, Scripture has so much more to offer than that's old and it's dead and we don't need it anymore, right? It's absolutely alive. So... Verse 4 says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. I want to just, there's a story, a tradition from the Jewish traditions that says that there was a cornerstone um, that when they were building the temple, they would look at all of the stones and they would, you know, toss some out. We're not going to use this one, da, 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 da. And this tradition says that they got to the point that everything that they were looking at, they thought that would be good and usable, um, wasn't what they were looking for until they found this rejected stone in the bottom of the trash heap. And that's the one that they wound up using as this cornerstone, which is a foundational stone, right? And it was a picture of Jesus being the stone that was rejected that actually became the cornerstone, And what we see here in this living stones in verse 5, that we are these living stones being built into a spiritual house. And I say that because um, when we look at these scriptures right here, and he is saying that we are being built in that spiritual house, it means this building that we're sitting in is not the church, right? We are the church, the cornerstone being Jesus, and then we are a stone. But think about this. None of those stones on their their own make a building, do they? No. They have to be put together. 
in order to make a building, which is why the church has to be together, right? And it's not about the building, which is why COVID did not win. Satan was not able to win in that, right? He thought he was able to take the church down in so many ways. But the church said, nope, you, we aren't a building of sticks and stones. We are living stones. We are the living, moving parts of what the church is. And so um, it goes on even further here when he says, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, when you look at the two different facets that Peter's talking to, the Jew and the Gentile, right? The Jewish had their sacrificial system. Um, They had the priests. Only the priests could talk to, you know, go straight to the Father through, you know, the curtain and all of that. And so when Jesus came and that veil was torn and we, as priests ourselves, could go directly to the Father, and then what does Romans 12, 1 and 2 tell us? What are we to be? Anyone know? A living sacrifice. We now become the sacrifice. How we live our life becomes the sacrifice, right? And so we take these two facets, the Jew and the Gentile, us being the Gentiles, and it's like two walls that need to be put together on that cornerstone. So he's saying, you know what? It's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles. I've now merged them together to be one house, one church in my name with Jesus as the cornerstone. And so it's this huge picture that Peter is showing us of what God has in place for us now. He says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. What do you think that means there in verse 8? How does the capstone cause men to stumble and fall? What? We're not looking at it and they're passing the trip over it. Okay. Not being faithful. Not being faithful. Any other thoughts? Andrew? No? How could Jesus being, be a stumbling block to somebody? I mean, maybe that's an easier way of saying it. They don't get their way. They don't get their way. When the world doesn't accept Jesus, someday that's going to be a stumbling block, right? Some, someday that's going to be um, what causes them to fall because they didn't accept Jesus. That's how he's both the Savior and the wall, so to speak, right? Because it, as someday all roads will meet in that place. Um, they stumble, he says, because they disobey the message. And what's the message? To believe. To believe the gospel, right? They stumble because of that, which is also what they were destined for. Meaning, again, as we talked about last week, the call is for everyone. God doesn't desire that anyone would perish, but they have to choose, right? But that word that Pat used earlier, pride, gets in the way, right? People's self-centeredness gets in the way. 
Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So when we come from out of darkness into light, how should we look different according to this scripture? We should be following his path, right? And what are some of the things he said we should give up and stop doing? Yeah, fleshly response. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the rules that they had surrounded themselves with to be set free of that, yep. those now became a stumbling block for them. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a stumbling block um, because, you know, for them, they wanted the Gentiles to convert. They were like, that's great, they could graft in, but we want you to convert and be circumcised and observe these laws and things like that. And um, that was one of the things that the council was having to meet over was, you know what? No, you know, Paul was saying, do not make them get circumcised and adhere to law. They are, they, they are grafted in as they are. Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit that shows that they already have all that they need, right? Um, so when we talk about that darkness to light, there needs to be some sort of a difference in us. You know, we can't adhere to who we always were and stay that same person, never having um, a heart for your brothers. I can wrestle with that. Do you wrestle with, I can tell you, like just when I was praying about doing this here, I was like, Lord, um, sometimes I have to examine my heart and say, Am I doing this because um, I get enjoyment out of it? Is that a terrible thing? Probably not. Am I doing this because I want people to say, oh, you put a lot of time into it. You really know the word. Yep, sure, some sort of flesh in me probably would say, yeah, I don't want to do a bad job, right? (laughs) Right? Um, But truly, though, Scripture here is telling me that my motivation needs to be purer than that. It needs to come from a place that has a deep concern for whether or not Jamie is loving God and, and meeting God on that level. And you know what? That would be purpose, right? That's action, purpose that he's talked about here in these verses. My action and my purpose should be to share the love of God. And if the way that God has motivated me to do that is through Bible study, then my outcome desire should be that you move closer in a relationship, a loving relationship with Jesus, right? Not send me accolades, right? Right, I'm really, yeah. (laughs) Um, 
He says, verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen, right? Amen. I need mercy. I do. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Old man versus new man, right? That is a daily battle. Daily battle. I mean, I could say some of the things I watch on TV, I'm like, Lord, I need to turn that off. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I heard a pastor say recently, um, if you can't, if you can say Jesus came back in this very moment, I would be proud of the things I was watching or doing or saying, right? Then I probably need to cut it out, gut it out, get rid of it, right? To me, that's this verse right here. If, if, you, if you can't say that it is glorifying God, then you need to abstain. I hate that word, abstain. What does it mean? Quit, right? Quit watching that show. Quit reading that book. Quit participating in that game. Quit participating in that gossip. Whatever it may be, stop it. Stop it and live for Jesus. I didn't die on the cross for you to hang out in sin. That's really what this whole chapter is about. Right? And so we are not to be so comfy, cozy, elbowing, you know, the world and not, you know, he says, which war against your soul. It is truly the what it is. It is warring against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God and show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, and honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Now, tell me, what are some of the thoughts that came to mind when I read that? Did maybe some scenarios going on in the world today come to mind? world period. I thought about when Pastor Jim said we should pray for the moms. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of being angry with them, we need to pray for them. And I've started doing that. You know, Good. Pray that God softens their heart, Jesus softens their heart. That, awesome. You know, they see mm-hmm. what they should be doing and, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, was, that was hard to think about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
children different. So mm -hmm. if a child messes up, mm -hmm. we're like, well, they don't understand. They're a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. But these grown adults, while they do understand a lot of things, they are babies in Christ, or they are not in Christ at all. Mm -hmm. So they're like a child. And I think sometimes we need to put that in our own thinking that, <laughs> you know, they're like a child in their faith, or they don't have a faith, and either one needs our prayer and attention, I guess. There was another story I'd read that just reminded me of that. This guy goes into this village, and he said, how many great men were born here? And he said, the guy said, none, only babies were born here. <laughs> because it, it's a process, right? <laughs> um, and so we don't give up on someone, regardless of their age. God can still get a hold of them and grow them, right? Um, when I was reading through this, so it reminded me of, of Daniel, um, because Daniel is someone, you know, the Bible describes as like pure of heart. There's nothing, um, he is, it's like him and Jesus and maybe one other person that were listed in scripture as there was nothing, there was no sin listed about them, right? Um, in fact, um, if you were to look in Daniel and I, I recommend it as a book to read, just of somebody that um, had all the reasons to be angry and retaliate against a government. Um, and, you know, Daniel, he, he started out, he was like 13, 14 years old when Daniel and his friends, they, you know, Babylon had um, captured Jerusalem and had taken some of these men in, and they were going to indoctrinate them. They wanted to change them. So they sent them to school to try to pretty much take their culture out of them and infuse them with a new culture. They changed their names to names that were like false gods, you know. And, um, you know, Daniel stood up in, in, you know, Daniel chapter 1, and he says, you know what, could I just, um, could we have just only eat certain foods? Remember that part, right? And so he only ate certain foods, and they were, they were okay with that. And at the end of that, they were found to be stronger and wiser, and there was credit that was given to them, and they were recognized in that, and they were given an elevated position. And each time that um, they were challenged in, in each different way, when he went into um, Daniel chapter 3, and he was in the fiery furnace. We think of him being still 14 years old, right? He is about 80 years old at that time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, so he, he goes into the... And king, the king saw at that point how faithful his God was. He'd seen this all along, right? These different things that Daniel would do and God would bless him and give him favor. And so he saw how, you know, God could rescue and God was faithful. And he made a law that said no one could speak against the God of Israel. And then Daniel interprets his dream in, in chapter four, and the king praises God. You know, and, he, and this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's kind of like, 
um, the uh, Pharaoh, how his heart, like he would be like, oh, okay, I'm going to praise God or I'm going to, you know, honor God and, you know, we'll drop this. And then the next day his heart is hard again. You know, so it's kind of like he forgot about what he said the day before. And so actually through the book of Daniel, he goes through four kings. But in each of those four kings, God kept revealing who he was against all these false gods. Daniel kept so consistent in his reputation. He consistently honored. He did his very best to honor um, his job. He did well at it. He didn't slack off and he didn't rebel and he didn't talk back. He did his best. He would only respectfully ask. Um, he would respectfully ask. Sorry, that threw me off. <laughs> he would respectfully ask things that would, would, would have gone against God. And he was always given favor in that, right? Um, then, then the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, in, in the end, uh, in, in Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 37, he goes crazy. And I don't even know if you remember this story, but the king goes crazy, and God basically tells him he's going to send him out into the wilderness like an animal until he can get it together and recognize who God is. It's pretty much, he, he tells him this directly. So he goes out seven years, he's crawling around like a beast, eating grass, and, and wild. And can you close that door, Ange? Thank you. And, um, and so while he's out there, I love it. He says he looked, and this is King Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, and these are his words that are written. He says, I looked upward toward heaven and my mind became clear again. Have you ever been in that place? Like you just feeling like crazy. You're not... Um, you're not focused on who God is, right? You're not focused on what God can do or who he is. And then all of a sudden you get that word or you get that encouragement and then, and you find that peace and your mind becomes clear again and focused on God. Well, that's what happened for Nebuchadnezzar. Like all of a sudden his mind got clear and he accepted Jesus. He accepted the Lord at that time. Um, and so he got his focus off of himself because he wanted, he would rather that he was the one that was the God that was worshipped. And God taught him he wasn't that, that there was one true God and it wasn't him. And now we can look at that and we can point fingers at Nebuchadnezzar. But the truth is that each of us every day in our pride and our self-centeredness say, God, um, I'm more important than you are right? Or I'm more worthy than you are, right? I'm no better, right? I know I know better, but, um, but you know what? Later on, um, we see in scripture in Ezra, um, the, the fourth king, King Cyrus, he set the captives free from Jerusalem. And this is all Daniel's um, example just like what scripture is talking about here in First Peter. You know what? That you would silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. That you would um, bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because you're conscious of God. Um, all of these things that it talks about here. Showing proper respect to everyone. Um, 
irregardless of whether or not you agree with the governor, irregardless if you agree with the king or your boss or whatever it may be, that he remained consistent in the character that God asked him to have. And because of that example, it changed hearts. And so by the end here, and they are released, not only did um, this king release them to that, he told them, go back and rebuild your temple. And not only that, he fed them and he provided the money for it to be done. Could you imagine? That'd be like your opposite political party saying, you know what, actually, I think... (laughs) I think you're right. In fact, I will fund your campaign, right? Like, it's it would be a miracle. This is a miracle that happened, you know, um, that God softened a heart just because of character. I believe that we have that same opportunity in this world. Every time someone comes to know the Lord, it has been another miracle where someone's heart was softened, right? And it was probably from examples that they had seen that God had used. Um, any of you come to know the Lord because of someone else's example? I did, right? That's a miracle when that happens. Um, and so what's the motivation then for our behavior? Again, we could talk about me is and all of the reasons why I would have done it, but what is the true motivation for our behavior? Yeah, his mercy, his gift of grace, um, because of what he's done for us, you know, to honor him, absolutely. And, um, verse. 22, again, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you are like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. The one that had in scripture the most right to hurl insults back, to defend himself physically, didn't. But we want to sue each other. (laughs) Right? We want to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. We want to hurl the insults back, right? Guilty, guilty every day. And yet, when we look at scripture and we are given this example, we can look at Daniel and say, you know what? Daniel did it right. That means I don't get to say, um, well, I'm not Jesus, I'm not perfect. Right? No. Well, to me, what, what does that say to you? Do what? Make excuses. Don't make excuses. Right? Do better. Hold yourself to a higher standard. 
right? That's what looking at the difference between the old man and the new man is, right? Yeah, I used to get my girlfriend and take a bath, but today I can get my girlfriend and get on my knees and pray, right? There, how many of you have worked for a horrible boss, right? 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 When, when I think of those kinds of things, Daniel had some horrible bosses, right? Mm-hmm. He was going and he was still um, respectful in the way he appealed to them for things. And because of his character, he was given favor, right? Mm-hmm. And because of his character, even though he never, the one thing, what is the one thing he would say? Um, we can look even at Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, in what the apostles said. I'm in the wrong chapter. Hold on. It says, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So there is a time and a place that if it's against God, we don't go against God, right? But just because I don't want to do something somebody tells me, I don't get to do it with an ugly attitude, right? Well, I mean, I can, but I can, and sometimes I do. But that's not what God has called us to do, right? Yeah. What do you, what do you take from that? Is it speaking to any of you about anything that you're dealing with in life right now? The political. Yeah. Atmosphere right now. Yeah. And it's so easy to get upset with the other side, yes. with friends, and why can't they see this? And yet, you sit back and you realize this is just a season that's passing. Yeah. And we don't want it to change us. Yeah. We need to look to God and what would God, what would Jesus do? Right. Do you have that same temptation that I do inside of me that says, um, just this one thing? I'm just going to say this one thing, right? Yes. Do you have that same? <laughs> Just that one thing. Then I'm going to shut up. Right? Right? I'm going to share this one video. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to share this one video. Right? So we have those temptations constantly that God is saying, you know what? I need you to run it through a Jesus filter. Right? I need you to say, go back to uh, 1 Peter 1, 22. Love one another deeply from the heart. Who's my brother? Everyone. Everyone. Right? That means I got to love the other side of the political party deeply from my heart. Ew. <laughs> right? Right? I, I got to love the mean, nasty boss deeply from my heart. Ew. Ew. As you learn to pray for him, though, it gets easier. Right? Right? God softens your heart. That's exactly where I want to go with this. 
How do we love someone deeply from our heart? How does that practically look? Besides praying, that was just right. How else? Yeah. None of us are worthy. We really have the what God has said here. Um, we really have the opposite down, right? The whole malice, envy, uh, slander, <laughs> gossip side. Like we don't even need to go there for that one. We're like, yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> it, it, huh? Check, right? It is so easy for me to go to that box, to go vent with somebody, you know, and, and say, it, it's harder for us to go the other side and and, and and to a place of love where we pray for them, where we share the gospel with them, where we, um, as scriptures, overlook an insult, right? Where we just, irregardless, the example that's given by Daniel or and most foremost by Jesus to overlook the insults, they're just words. Um. Could you imagine if every insult that was hurled at us physically hurt? Or everyone that we threw at someone else physically hurt? But what does scripture tell us about our tongue? It's like a knife, right? It, it destroys. It cuts. And so we got to remember that, the things that we're saying the places that we're coming, all of this to say, you know what? We are these, these living stones. We are together, this church, to the nation, to the world. And if we live no different than the world, how are they going to know the love of Jesus? Right? So I guess my prayer for us this week is that we will look for opportunities to truly love someone deeply from the heart. Not just holding back the gossip, but turning it outward in a different way where we say, you know, God, give me a heart for them. Give me a heart that gets on my knees and prays for my enemy. That prays for unity in our fellowship and in our church. That prays for me to have a way to... um, Share the gospel with someone that I'm struggling with that I know really just needs you, right? So um, with that, does anyone else have any prayer requests this week? Yeah, Carol? I want to pray, see if we can pray for Helen, <clears throat> my friend that's got that coronavirus. Yeah, Helen, her friend that has coronavirus. Yeah. Her and her roommate. Anyone else? Seems to be on the rise again. Yes, it does. Yeah. So we pick that. Everywhere. 
Where? Yeah. The hair, too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I can't I hear you, Carol. I didn't say anything. Oh. I thought she would say it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, she was making a comment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I held a memorial service for my 